0: Eric, thanks for being on the program. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So, walk me through the way you're looking at the central bank right now, Eric, and your decision making process. Do you have to leave any room for surprises for Jay Powell on a day like today?
1: I think he's been pretty consistent. I think he'll be pretty dovish. He's been slowly uh, signaling that tapering is going to happen. There's been some tweaks uh, that would suggest that starting back several months ago. But he's always said that he's going to give the market a lot of advance notice before that happens. They're going to be data driven. Uh, I don't think that anything he's going to say is going to be a major surprise today. Now, uh, Eric, uh, we've got
0: this situation where a weak number comes in from the economy and bond yields start rising. Uh, What do you think that tells us? I mean, it's just one session here, but we've also seen a yield curve collapsing and yields going down as inflation goes up. So it seems like certain things have been a little upside down for a while.
1: Sure. Yeah, it absolutely. Uh, I think what's happening is that when you get a weak number, you think that economic growth is going to be lower than you thought it was going to be and yields go down. When you get a strong number, yields should be going up as the, the it looks more like the economy uh, is getting better here. Uh, you're having the issue where, wow, well, if it's a strong number, then the Fed is going to be more aggressive and tighten faster, which is going to choke off that recovery. So it's, it is a very confusing circular logic here uh, that that's hard to reconcile. Okay, so you're
0: on board with the framework we were laying out at the top of the show here. Does that mean, Eric, if the market at this point is able to sell bonds uh, around some of these numbers, uh, you know, has at least uh, the tapering they've been talking about over the last couple months, some of the hawks of the Fed, do you think this is a sign maybe it's been priced in fully that if they say, okay, we've got uh, an uh, October, November, December timeline, I mean, what range of dates do you think the market has processed and could be comfortable with at this point, where if they told us that date, yields would rise because the economy then would be, you know, at least understood in terms of that risk
1: point? Sure. Uh, I think later in the year, the market is starting to anticipate that the tapering is going to begin. So from a rate standpoint, another year at least until rates start to rise. But there's a lot of communication. I think there's been over the last month with some of the... uh, indigestion that we've seen in the market particularly in small caps and more risky areas of the market it's real fear of what are they going to do in jackson hole and this has been a very big event i think it might end up being a non-event because there's so much starting to get priced in hmm. and uh, the market is absolutely uh, anticipating some tapering some tightening action and i think we'll start to see some of that later in the fall october november make some sense when they start to pull back on their bond purchases eric what about outside of treasuries if
0: the framework that we're discussing here is the yield curve compression being due at least in some part to a repricing of a faster taper timeline that could be this year uh credit spreads in the corporate bond market go low with that treasury and the stock market at least in the nasdaq goes higher with that lower treasury yield and that kind of knee-jerk response, lower yields by tank and growth. Uh, have those assets understood the timeline as well as treasuries? Or if the Fed comes and says, hey, we're actually going to go December, are stocks uh, and credit going to have to catch up? I, I think
1: that cyclical stocks, small-cap stocks, will need to catch up. Uh, credit spreads, and, and this is what is is interesting about this market, is credit sp- spreads have been extremely tame, and the absolute cost of borrowing is the lowest it's ever been for high-yield companies. Uh, now, there's a reason for that. The forward outlook on defaults for companies is about as low as I can ever remember in my 24-year career. I think right now the projections are default rates will be somewhere in the 0.65%. Historically, high yield defaults around four to four and a half percent. The difference between the treasury rate and the high yield rate, that spread is what compensates you for the risk of default. Mm-hmm. And if there's very, very low risk of default, that spread is a lot lower. That's why investment grade spreads are much lower than high yield spreads. So if the market is interpreting that, that there will be very few defaults, The high-yield market is interpreting that we're going to have a very good to at least decent economic environment going forward, and the credit market is saying that you probably should be buying small-cap stocks, more cyclical stocks, and these defensive stocks and the growth stocks that perform in environments where rates are low and it's risk-off and we're really concerned about a slowdown, those will take a step back to more cyclical, small-cap-type stocks.